Isn't it wonderful to be together this morning and just be enriched in his presence, to have our souls restored and our lives renewed together as we come together in him. What a blessing it is. Well, today I was hoping to finish off this short series of messages, the power of promise that we opened the new year with, but it looks like I'm not going to be able to do that. But as you came in this morning, you would have received this card, hopefully, with eight points of promise on them that we are looking at. And these are just a few of the many thousands of promises that are in God's Word for you and I, given to enrich our lives in God. And as we go into 2022, we're believing as a congregation that this is going to be a year like no other, where we see the promises of God outworked in our lives powerfully, where we are going to experience the power of promise. Last Sunday, we began by looking at the first three points of promise that are on the card that you've been given, and this morning, we're going to consider maybe, I was hoping to do the remaining five, but I can't see it. I think possibly we're going to get through two maybe three, but hopefully two of these wonderful promises, points of promise that God has richly blessed us with. If you remember, last week we started by paying close attention to how Peter, the Apostle Peter, described the vast number of promises that are given to us in Christ Jesus. Peter, in his second letter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, summed up all of God's wonderful promises by saying that they are exceedingly great and precious. When Peter used this phrase to describe God's Word in this way, he was setting it apart. He was making a huge distinction about the Word of God and all of the many promises that are contained within it. Because when Peter referred to God's Word as exceedingly great and precious, he was telling everyone that God's Word of promise exceeds every promise that has ever been made or ever will be made. Our Word... Great is not great enough to describe the indescribable promises that God has given to us. The literal meaning in the Greek language for this phrase, exceedingly great, that Peter uses, means greater than great. We have nothing as a point of reference to liken God's word of promise to. God's spoken word, God's written word for our lives exceeds all we can ask, think, or imagine. The greatest, the great Scottish Bible expositor, Alexander McLaren, once wrote, We may have 
as much of God as we will. Christ Jesus puts the key of the treasure chamber into our hand and bids us take all that you want or need. If a man is admitted into the gold bullion vault of a bank and told to help himself, but only comes out with one pound, whose fault is it that he is poor? Church, we do not hold fragments or scraps of frail words that falter. Our lives are held and kept together by the very promises of God, the living word of God that is sharper and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive with power. It's alive with God. And all of these wonderful, vast, exceedingly great and precious promises have a yes and an amen over them all. Every one of them in Christ Jesus. Every single one of us, without exception, have open access to the vault of God's endless eternal reserves. Make your withdrawal, child of God. Never fear objection. Never fear question over your rights. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you all things. Romans 8, we read it. He who did not spare his own son, but freely delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? All things are yours. All things you have open access to. Jesus, in fact, said it in the gospel. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. He said, go ahead, ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. The vault is open to endless wealth in God. Why go in and just take a meager amount? Why not go in and take your fill of everything that God has provided for your life? God wants us all to live in the power of his promise. The first three Points of promise that we covered last Sunday were, firstly, a promise for protection. Then we looked at a promise for direction. And then we finished up by thinking on a promise for strength. All exceedingly great and precious for our lives. Now, today we're going to continue on by looking at another point of promise. A promise for abundance. God has a promise for abundance for each and every one of our lives. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus made it crystal clear as to why he came into our world. And he leaves us in no doubt when we read his words. Listen to the abundant life that Jesus promised us. Unlike the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus' sole purpose was to come and ensure that each and every one of us have this abundant life, this Zoe God life within our very own life experience. 
John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, he says. I've not come to do that. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. This word abundant in the Greek is the word pyrazon, which means a life that is excessively superior in quality and endlessly superabundant in quantity. It's God's life in your life. How does that sound for 2022? The quality of life that God wants you and I to walk in every single day of our lives is excessively superior in quality and endlessly superabundant in quantity. Jesus isn't measuring out this life carefully in fear of there not being enough to go around. You can have a little here. And you can have a little there, you know, like you do when you're a parent handing out the sweets to the kids. I do it regularly. I've only got, you know, one packet of sweets. So I get four little bags out and I, I put 10 in here and I put 10 in there and I put 10. And if there's any left, and there usually is, dad eats them. But there's 10 in this bag, 10 in that bag, 10 in this bag and 10 in that bag because we've, sh we've got to share it out because I know that there's not an endless amount. Jesus doesn't do that with his abundant life. And it's wrong for us to take our low level of thinking and our expectations and our experiences of life over into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a life that's excessively superior in quality and endlessly super abundant in quantity. He's not sharing it out. There's more than enough to go around. He is the great I am, the God who is more than enough. He exceeds everything that we could expect or imagine. No, he is the life, the life. And his gift of eternal life to us all is beyond measure. Jesus likened this abundant life that he's given us to rivers of living water. Not a river, not a meager little stream. Rivers, rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. In John chapter 7, verses 37 through to 39, Jesus said this, on the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up. And said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty, anyone, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from, his, from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This 
abundant, Holy Spirit-filled life is ours in Christ Jesus. And it's more than you'll ever need. It's more than you can imagine. And it will exceed every need that you or I will ever face. You're more than a match for any event in life. You are. Circumstances, situations may come in our lives and they may be horrendously dark, but the very life of God is inside you and it will rise up within you and it will enable you to walk through that valley of the shadow of death and you will not fear any evil because thou art with me. It's more than enough. It's more than what you'll ever need. King David made reference to this life, this God life, in Psalm 23, verse 5, when he said, You, you, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David was simply pointing out that the cup of his life could not contain God's vast, immeasurable supply. God's life in David's life overflowed. It overflowed every containment and limitation that David had. This life will not be held back. It will not be restrained. It, it will not be contained within you. It'll break the container. It'll break the limitation. And it'll just flow and go and, and minister and, and, and enrich and make fruitful every single area of your life and more. God doesn't just fill up the cup of our lives to the brim and then hold back. Don't want to spill any. Don't want to make enough. Don't want to, don't, don't want to make a mess. No, this life overflows. It overflows. Let me give you a little crude illustration. Anybody up for a little crude illustration? Not crude in the sense of rude, but very simple, right? So you get the point. Hold on, I'm going to have to put the mic down. One second. First miracle look. Oh, floating in midair. Amazing. My cup overflows, David said. Now, many times our experience of life is well, do you know what? I'm not like David. I'm not this great man of faith. I haven't got this, you know, great 
experience or encounter with God like that, that incredible king had. God will just, you know, pour a little bit in. There you go, Dave. That's enough for you for 2022. That'll do you, Dave. That's more than enough. But David argues differently. David says, our life overflows. Very often we interpret that as God, like I said, just filling it up. Whoop, that's enough, God. No more. Please, enough's enough. But God says, no. I'm not going to be contained in your life. I'm not going to be held back by your capacity. You've invited me in. And I'm, go I'm going to exceed what you can ask for, what you can think, and what you can imagine. In every single area of your life, I'm going to exhibit my life. And I'm going to exceed all of your expectations. And he just goes ahead. And this is, you see, this is the imagery that David was using. Very simple picture. But he wanted everybody to understand what this eternal life, this vast reservoir of God's blessed life is all about. Our lives overflow. And it just keeps going. That's it. There's more than enough. More than enough healing. More than enough prosperity. More than enough blessing. More than enough peace. Hallelujah. You get the message. There's more than enough. Your cup. Your cup overflows. The cup of your life will not contain, will not contain the vast resources of God's life. God exceeds it. Some of us may say, well, my experience of life is different to the illustration that you've just showed us. I know. I know. Sometimes my experience of life has been far from that, right? But what we've got to be, ex what we've got to be careful about with experiences is this, that we don't diminish God's promise down to the experiences that we go through in life. There's overflow for each and every one of us. He overflows and exceeds our containment and, and capacity to hold his abundant life. And it's glorious. Again, in Psalm 36, verses 7 through to 9, David refers to God's life like a feast of abundance, a river of delights, and like a fountain of life. These three images David used to symbolize the endless wealth of abundance in God that God has given to his people. Psalm 37, uh, Psalms 36, sorry, 7 through to 9 says this, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God! 
people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your rivers or your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. A promise for abundance. This promise of abundance is ours. It's an exceedingly great and precious promise that we do not want to let go of. That enables us to become, like Peter went on to say, partakers of the divine nature. It's a life that's excessively superior in quality. Endlessly superabundant in quantity. That's the abundant life that you and I have been given. It's supernatural. It really is. It's supernatural. The next point of promise in God's word for us, as we move on from this promise for abundance, is a promise for prosperity. Promise for prosperity. Paul in Philippians 4, verse 19, said these words, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do not panic when you come into a time of need. Do not panic. Don't scratch your head and worry and be in fear and wonder how the need is going to be met. You have a promise in God to, to prosper. You really do. Very quiet. You have a promise in God to prosper. Your need can be can be the greatest springboard into God supplying everything that you need in Him. Now, it's important to understand exactly what's being said by the Apostle Paul and not miss it. Paul is telling us, listen carefully, Paul is telling us that God does not supply our need according to our need. I remember, I tell you, when I woke up to this many years ago, God does not supply your need according to your need. If you have a need of five pound, let me illustrate it like this. If you have a need of five pound, all I have to do to meet your need is give you five pound. And we often think that that is the way that God meets our need. But Paul is saying here, God doesn't meet our need according to our need. God meets our need according to his riches. And there's a big difference. There really is. When Jesus fed the multitude with the little boy's lunch, he not only fed over 4,000 people until they were all filled, that's meeting need, but there were 12 baskets left over. 
That's meeting need according to his riches. Jesus also on another occasion, you'll remember, met Peter's need. After Peter had fished all night and caught nothing, he was at a place of need. Jesus instructed him to go out into the deep to throw his nets over the other side. At this, Peter being a fisherman, Jesus being a carpenter, he momentarily objected to the word and the command of Christ and then suddenly obeyed by faith and said these words, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Suddenly, surprise, surprise, Peter's nets started to break. Actually, Jesus said, throw down the nets. Peter, if you read the chapter, threw down the net. You see, Jesus knew what was coming. Peter just took his net, not the nets, took his net and thought, I'll just meet my need. But Jesus knew what was coming. Suddenly, Peter can't lift the net, and the net starts to break. Not only that, his boat and his friend's boats, who had come to help him now to bring in this great haul of fish, their boats started sinking. And I can just see Jesus there, just smiling, big smile, looking at them, trying to contain this wonderful, wonderful blessing that had come as a result of his word. The weight of God's riches in meeting their need exceeded their ability to contain it. Their boat started sinking. Their nets started breaking. And what did they, what did they receive? I tell you something now, they received more than fish. They received a revelation that God just doesn't meet our need according to our need. He meets it according to his riches. Or think about when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding of Cana. They'd run out of wine, and it was really an embarrassing situation. Mary, Jesus' mother, asked Jesus to help and to intervene. And then she said to the servants, whatever he tells you, just do it. Just do what he says. So Jesus told those servants to draw water from six stone water jars. As they drew from the jars of water, wine, wine was served. But it was a wine that far surpassed the finest of wine that had been served earlier in the day by the host. Jesus, what was he doing? He wasn't just meeting need. He was exceeding need according to his 
riches. There's a little phrase that John uses over that whole event at the end of it. He says, and he did this. Words to these, this effect anyway. And he did this. Listen. And he did this to display his glory. His glory. He's the great I am. He's more than enough. He does not supply need according to need. He supplies our need according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. And that's what he did. It's been calculated that those ceremonial water jars each typically held between 20 and 30 gallons of water. So that means, I'm very good at maths, me. I was, oh, extremely good, right? In my calculation, six times 20 or six times 30 means that there was between 120 to 180 gallons of the finest wine. Who said, oh, wow? <laughs> 120 to 180 gallons of the finest wine. That's the equivalent of between 700 to 1,000 bottles of the finest wine given freely and richly from his glory into that need, into that wedding that was at a real crucial point in their day. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, <laughs> to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. When the disciples saw Jesus feed those multitudes of people with that little boy's lunch, and then afterwards collect 12 basketfuls of leftovers. They must have been astounded. They must have been awestruck because they had encountered him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask, think, or imagine. Or when Peter caught so many fish that his nets were breaking, that his boat was sinking, he must have... Been, been blown away by the fact that in his boat he had encountered the one who exceeds, far exceeds all that he could have asked for or imagined on that day. Or at the wedding in Cana, nobody could have ever dreamed or imagined that Jesus would so freely and richly supply over a thousand bottles of wine. To meet the need. Let me ask you. Have you ever had an exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think moment? 
in your life with God? Well, salvation was one of them. But even beyond that, has there been moments on beyond that that have been exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think where he has supplied your need, not according to your need, but according to his riches. Because if you haven't yet, I believe that 2022 is going to be filled with such moments such moments where the power of God breaks in. Such moments where you just walk in and you're shocked by the wonderful supply that comes into your life. When I look back over my life, I thank God there's been many such moments. Honestly. Many such moments. I used to hear, you know, the testimonies of my mum and dad. God, they would tell me stories, mind-bending stories. I tell you, many, 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 many stories. Testimonies of God's power, exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. And I, I sometimes would think, I wonder if God will ever... Do that for me. And you know, as I've followed him, there's been moments, such moments in my life. I've mentioned lots of times, you know, many times I, I love to ride on the mountains. I love mountain biking. I absolutely love it. The Lord speaks to me on my bike. And um, I remember many years ago when I first started to get into downhill mountain biking. I bought a downhill bike. It's called a Specialized Demo 8. And I'm telling you, man, this thing was just built to throw down mountains. You, it, was, it was really an aggressive downhill bike. I loved it. I bought it secondhand. And one night, late one night, I was, I was riding the mountain with a friend who used to come here called Jason Norman. His brother Jeremy comes now and, and his wife Michelle. Jeremy and Michelle are part of the church. Well, well Jason, we, we were just really great friends and, and um, really he got me into mountain biking. In the, in the early days. And I used to go and pick him up crazy times. I'd turn up at his house, give him a little text, turn up at his house, half 12. Jason, everybody's in bed. Should we go for a ride? Yep, go on. I'd get, him, get the bikes on the back and up we'd go. Well, this one night, I went up to, um, to collect him and we were up, we were up in Kum Khan on a trail called the Turk Trail. Great trail. And we got to the top of the mountain and we started to go down and then we stopped in a clearing. And Jason said this to me, he said, hey Dave, he said, he said, I was reading about your bike online this week, Specialized Demo 8. He said, around the, the webbing, the, the, the frame webbing that covers the rear shock of your, on your frame, he said, he said, some people have found that there's been hairline cracks in that webbing. Have you checked your frame to see if there's any hairline cracks? 
So I said, oh, Jason, I said, mate, I said, there's no hairline cracks in this. I said, this thing is bomb-proof. It really is. We laughed. We carried on down the mountain. Off we went. Had a great night. No problem at all. In the week, I was cleaning the bike. I looked around the webbing. I was reminded of what Jason said. And sure enough, there was a hairline crack in, in one of the webs that strengthened the frame. So I thought, oh, man, I've got, to get, I've got to do something about this. So I thought, I'll ring up the main dealer of Specialized in Cardiff to see if they can do anything for me. Rung the shop up, and um, he, the guy said to me, he said, oh, yeah, just bring the bike down. He said, I'll take, he said, I'll take a look at it. Well, I went to the shop. Remember it. I was in a white van. Went into the shop, chatted with the guy. I said, um, I said, yeah, I said, I've got this problem. I said, can you weld the frame for me just to ensure, you know, that it's not going to break when I'm doing something crazy on it? He said, he said, let me have a look at the bike. We went in the back of the van, right? And he looked at it and he said, oh, yeah, he said, he said, it's a hairline crack on the webbing. He said, listen, he said, this bike, he said, you're never, he said, I can tell you now. He said, you can jump off a building with this bike. And he said, he said, you won't do anything to it. He said, it's built so strong. He said, that hairline crack, he said, it's just a stress fracture. He said, it's, it's not going to spoil the integrity of the frame. As he said that, as he said that, I whispered, Lord, give me favor with this man. <laughs> right? I promise you. That's what I said. Lord, give me favor with this man. It was an inner prayer that he couldn't hear, right? Suddenly, the man looked at me and he said, do you know what? He said, I'm going to see if I can pull a favor. It's the word he used. He said, I'm going to see if I can pull a favor with specialized. He said, bring the bike into the shop. He said, I'm going to get on the phone now. Take the bike into the shop. He gets on the blower to his friend at Specialized. They have a little chat, puts the phone down. He said, hey, son, he said, it's your lucky day. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you see that, see that Specialized Demo 8 there, that brand new one that's hanging from the ceiling? I said, yeah. He said, the one that's got a price tag on it of two and a half grand. I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, that frame is now yours. He said, that is your frame. I'm telling you, I thought, this is favor. This is favor. I said, well, thank you very much. He said, that's all right. He said, listen, he said, would you like us to fit all of the parts of your old bike onto this brand new bike? I said, he said, and then he said this, it'll cost you 150 pounds. He said, just for the labor. This is what I said, I promise you. I said, well, usually, I said, when it comes to financial decisions, I said, I always talk with my wife. <laughs> I did. I did. Because we always do. We will never make decisions independently of one another. I said, I always talk to my wife. And I'm, I'm there in the shop. He said, well, look. He said, no pressure. He said, you can take the frame. He said, you do it yourself. He said, it's no, no problem. He said, the frame's yours. Two and a half grand. He said, you can take it now if you want. And then I thought, oh, do you know what? Let's let the experts do it. 
I said, do you know what? I said, my wife loves me very much. <laughs> and I said, I, said, um, I said, I know, I know that she would want me to do this because she loves the fact that I go on my bike. <laughs> right? I said, go ahead. I said, go ahead and do it. He said, okay, no problems. He said, pick it up. He said, next week. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Driving back now to the office. Go up into my office. And there's an envelope on the desk with my name on it. Now, that was strange in itself because I never really have envelopes on my desk with my name on it. But on this day, there was an envelope on my desk with my name on it. It hadn't been there before I left. So I took it, opened it up, 150 quid inside. You see, God doesn't meet our need according to our need. If God had have just met my need according to my need, I would have got the frame welded and would have been happy. But that day I discovered something about the generosity of God and the fact that he loves mountain biking. <laughs> he loves it. He loves me on those, on those trails. He loves me with my friends, enjoying it, relishing in his creation, speaking to him when I'm on my own. I'm praying and thanking him. He loves it. No, God didn't meet my need according to my need on that occasion. He met my need according to his riches in glory. Let me tell you another one. I bought a carbon fiber mountain bike frame, had it in my garage <clears throat> for a number of months. Really good mountain bike frame. And um, it was light. It was like, again, an aggressive uh, uh, frame for downhilling. And um, I used to go in and polish it. One day I'm going to build you up. I'm going to ride it. And one night, as I was polishing it, the Lord said to me, give it to Jason Norman, my friend who I used to ride with, who's now actually in Canada. And um, give it to Jason Norman. So I said, okay, Lord. And I began to anticipate the moment when Jason would receive his frame and his eyes would light up. Now I understood the reason why I had it. It wasn't for it to stay with me. It was for it to pass through me and to be a blessing to him. Well, day came. I gave it to Jason Norman. He was blown away, built it up because he didn't have a mountain bike. At that time, he had, he'd sold his one and he was, in, he, was, he was at a place where he didn't have one. So he, it meant that he could have a bike 
and a, a really great bike that he, that he loved. That was it. I forgot about it. No big deal. Right? No big deal. Maybe about six months later. All right? I don't know if you remember this, Jason. But Jason rings me up. And um, he said, oh, Dave, he said, uh, he said, I've got a contact in the police force. He said, would you like a hundred bikes? Would you like a hundred bikes? I said, I'd love a hundred bikes, Jason. <laughs> and I've got just the place to put them. This was even before we'd kitted out the warehouse in Jesus Cares. Oh, my goodness, we had bikes of every kind stacked everywhere. And you know what? Those bikes, those bikes were given out to people that couldn't afford a bike. Different parts in Newport. God's riches. God's riches. He displays his glory in unusual ways. That was an amazing, amazing time. And God said to me, he said, see, that's return on your seed, son. That's return on your seeds. That's why he said to the people in the Old Testament through the prophet Malachi, don't rob God of your tithes. Why don't you just go ahead and give him that 10%? Can't you trust him with the 10%? Because he's going to open the very windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. One of the wisest decisions that I made the moment that I got born again was to take a tenth of everything I had and sow it into the local church. Faye the same. I'm telling you now, I would not, and I, I, don't, I, re, I, I, I don't think I've ever spoken about tithing. Never. But I'm telling you now, I've had so much return. So much return. My God, I could tell you story after story. I'd be a fool, a fool to stop it. Never stop it. That day I caught a glimpse of God's wonderful, wonderful generosity. We've been given exceedingly great and precious promises in Him so that we might become partakers of the divine nature. We've got a promise for abundance. We've got a promise for prosperity. And I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish there and continue in two weeks' time just to conclude this series of messages. Next week, I'm telling you, Faye's going to minister the Word of God to us. I'm really excited about that. And then the week after, we've got Steve and Matthew coming down from Bradford, and Steve's got a, a great word from us. So after, after uh, Steve ministers, I'll conclude this series of messages. D.L. Moody, who was a leading evangelist, would mark verses in the margin of his Bible with the letters T-P. T-P. Over the years, his Bible was covered with these two letters, T-P. 
in many of the margins of the Old Testament and New Testament alike, these two little letters were found, T-P. When someone once asked Moody what these letters meant, he simply said, tried and proved. Tried and proved. D.L. Moody, the great world evangelist in the 18th century, had tried, not only tried, he had tried and proved the exceedingly great and precious promises that had been given to him, and not one of them had ever been found wanting. Hallelujah. Moody had found the power of promise working in his daily life, working in his experience of life. And God's word had never, ever faltered. I tell you, it's an exciting adventure with Jesus. It's an exciting adventure to walk with him, to talk with him, and to know that everything is sorted and everything is worked out and everything is provided for in relation to your life. As Paul said this morning, and what an incredible word, I tell you, what an incredible word. Paul brought to us this morning. As Paul encouraged us this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it's verse 23, with these words, let us hold fast the confession of our faith because he who promised is faithful. He's faithful to uphold you. He's faithful with his promises. He does not give them for them to fail or for them to falter. He gives them so that we might walk in them and encounter him in every event that we face in life. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to sing before we go. I'm going to pray in a moment. Through the week, why don't you take hold of this card? Thank God for his promise of protection. Thank God for his promise of direction. Thank God for his promise of strength. His promise for abundance. His promise for prosperity. His promise for peace. His promise for help. And his promise for power. You can try and prove every single one of them. And the 30,000 30, or more promises that are in God's word, you can try and prove every single one of them. They'll not fail. They'll not falter. Because the vault, the vault of God's endless eternal reserves in Christ Jesus is open is open. Go ahead, like the writer to the Hebrews said. Go in boldly, in fact. Go in boldly, he said. Let us go boldly 
into the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. Father, we thank you today for your word to us. Holy Spirit, thank you for this life that is so abundant, this supernatural life that lifts us amidst the circumstances of life, that holds us, that keeps us, that energizes us, that enables us to walk with you through every challenging season of life. Thank you for abundant life that you give us, a super, super abounding life. Lord, thank you for your heart that is so generous, wants to prosper us in everything that we do. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. David said, it follows us all the days of our lives. And in your house, we get the privilege for dwelling evermore. We want to thank you for that. Lord, as we go forward into this new year ahead, 2022, each and every one of us, I pray, would walk in the power of promise. Each and every one of us would know and experience these exceedingly great and precious promises that have been given to us that we might become partakers of the divine nature. Lord, we thank you that you want to exhibit your power in your people so that we can be a light to a world that has no hope, that we can be a voice that cares, a voice that invites a voice that sings your praise, the praises of your goodness. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this place, whatever our needs may be, I pray that we would encounter that you are the God that supplies all of our needs according to your riches in glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.